welcome to the very first episode of the Senate Garden podcast. I can't believe that we're doing this. I'll be honest, my hands are a little bit clammy because I just feel a little bit nervous, even though I shouldn't, because we're just sitting in our office by ourselves, (laughs) just us. So I don't know, but I've never done this. I've never had to talk for this long, so this is a little bit intimidating. We do have notes, so we're not just going into this blind. we, We made a plan yesterday, so hopefully we don't go on too many rabbit trails, but knowing you, wow, it is likely that we will go on rabbit trails. It is likely. I'm Rob. I'm Adeline. Yeah. And we own Cinegarden Film Company. Um, Ad, do you want to kind of introduce how that kind of happened or wh- where we started and, mm-hmm. and where we ended yeah. up? Yeah. Okay. So, um, First, I'll kind of give you a little bit of backstory about me and just how I, I kind of got into video production, I guess. Sure. Um, so growing up, I my my sister and I, we used to like we had my parents had, you know, a big old like cassette video player. Yeah, the shoulder um, one? It I don't know if it was that big. It was like one of those ones that did like miniature tapes and you would put them in a converter to go into the VHS player. Okay. So it wasn't the large VHS. My, my (laughs) family had the large VHS. It was black and brown and it was legit. Like you felt like you're on a film set when you had it. It had the, the, uh, the viewfinder and it was like this corner arm that went out. Uh, into your eye, and we actually did make videos with that. Uh, but we could talk about that later. Go ahead. You did make videos yeah, with it? Yeah. Have I never told you that? I don't feel like I've seen any of your home videos, but I'm pretty sure you've seen a few of mine. Yes. I have seen a few of yours, but anyway, continue. Yeah. Your family had a <laughs> so, rabbit trails. Yeah. And you know, they might have had one of those big ones at some yeah, point, but sure. not that I can remember. Mm-hmm. But Anyways, uh, so me and my sister Shelby, we used to, I'm afraid this is too close to my mouth. Um, we used to set that video camera up on a tripod in our playroom and just make really dumb videos. We would like dress up in our mom's clothes and like dance around and just, I don't even know what any of the videos were about, but, um, like going forward, that was when I was really, really young. But then going forward, when I was probably like eight or nine years old, Shelby got a, it was this blue, and I, I can probably find it, a picture of it on the internet and put it up. But it was this blue, like handheld video camera that was made by American Girl. So if you grew up having American Girl dolls, you know, it was made by them. And probably um, really high quality. What? Probably really high quality. Oh my then. gosh. The best <laughs> quality ever. Um, so she got that for like Christmas or something one year and she started making videos with it and it actually came with an editing software. And <laughs> I still remember that editing software. It's like the crappiest thing ever. It was probably pretty simple. But it had like all these like sound effects and like oh, I'm sure. You could put like really weird effects and like you could put text on the screen and all this stuff and 
it came with like music tracks that you could use and all mm. that. And so I, uh, so she started making videos on YouTube, I think starting with that camera. And, um, so I watched her do that and I of course like wanted to do everything that she did. And so eventually she got like a digital camera, um, like one of those little tiny point and shoot ones, you know mm -hmm. how like, you remember when those became a thing? It was probably when we were like in middle school or like a little bit younger and everyone got different colored ones. Oh yeah. Cause they had like pink ones mm -hmm. and purple. I ended up getting a blue one in the, like later on, but we'll get to that. I had a so, red one just so everybody. You had clear. what color? A red. Oh, red nice. one. Yeah. Nice. Did you take a lot of selfies with that? I did. My mom actually framed this picture of a selfie that I took with that. And she like thinks it's the best photo ever. <laughs> and I'm like 12 or 11 or 12. <laughs> and I'm just like super serious face. Like, <laughs> uh, okay. So anyway, so eventually she upgraded to one of those little digital cameras. And so of course I got the little, I think it was called a digital blue camera or something. I don't remember. It had a name, but I got that hand me down and I started making videos with that. And I, one thing that I really remember with that is we went to the beach. We went down to like Destin, Florida, and we stayed in a condo. And I remember I was so excited because I took that camera with me and I like filmed the whole time and I was going to make this whole video out of it. And I, I don't know what happened, but I like lost all of the footage when I mm. got back and I was so upset about that. And it wasn't even like, I don't think that that camera took like a, an SD card or anything. I don't know how it like kept memory on it, but it somehow got wiped anyways. So I started, i started a YouTube channel and I was nine at the time and YouTube had a, an age, like you had to be 13 to have a YouTube channel. And I actually had built probably a little following of like a few hundred people. And I, one day I logged into my account and it said that I was banned. Mm. And I was like, what the heck? Like I was so upset. And you know, it said something about their guidelines. Like you have to be 13 years old, whatever. And so I got this bright idea that I was like, I never said my age. So they don't actually know how old I am. So I got the bright idea to to make a new channel and I was going to be like, I just turned 13 and whatever. And what were you like nine? I was yeah. like nine or 10. Yeah. And so I made this account and the name of it was Addie is cool 13. And I was like, my first video, I was like, actually that video is still out there. <clears throat> so I actually, I made one account and I forgot the password and then I made Addie is cool 13, which is the channel I was stuck with for a while. But um, that one that I forgot the password to, there is a video of me that I made with that digital blue camera and edited. <laughs> I'm not going to put it in here, but if you dig hard enough, you might be able to find it. I'm pretty sure I've seen it. The of one that's course. like, Addie's yeah. back. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I made this whole video. I was like, Addie's back. You know, I'm finally 13 now and I'm old enough to be like, it was so obvious that I was not 13 years old. But anyways. So Addie's Cool 13, I started, I got a MacBook Pro. I got my first MacBook and um, that was when I was like 12 or 13. And it was, a, it was one of those white ones and it came with iMovie HD. I'm pretty sure it came with it. And iMovie HD was way better than the iMovie that we have now. I still think, maybe I just feel that way because it's like 
what I learned or what I like taught myself on to mm-hmm. do basic editing. But um, I'm a PhD. I started making music videos and it was it was legitimately like lip syncing songs and adding a bunch of effects and like whatever and it was this whole trend like there was all these people that were my age as well and some of them actually stuck with YouTube and ended up like they have successful careers on YouTube now but um and I kicked myself that I didn't like stick with it because maybe I'd be like famous and live in LA now but yeah yeah. we wouldn't know each other (laughs) true um so I made these music videos that are really stupid and I I did that all throughout middle school and a little bit into high school and um people at school started to find out about my YouTube channel and I remember specifically one time in um I went to a private Christian school and it was in Bible class and usually in Bible class like we actually didn't do anything it was like study hall mm. which sounds pretty bad Anyways, um, <laughs> it is what it is. So people would like get on the computer and put stuff on the projector. And so someone pulled up one of my videos on the projector and I, they weren't, there was, it was not like ill intentions. Like no one was trying to make fun of me, but in the moment, because that was like this private part of my life that like no one knew about when everyone saw that it really embarrassed me. And so I deleted the channel and i had actually built this following of like, 10,000 subscribers or so and back in that time on YouTube that was a lot um now it's like nothing but that was before YouTube was a profession like people weren't really making money on YouTube yet so I had like this decent following and I just deleted my channel and lost all that and that was really sad but Mm. later on I made another YouTube channel and I've made YouTube videos ever since that's just been kind of like a little hobby of mine but that's how I started this like getting into video in general and I when I went on to college I took a job at um I went to Mississippi College um for the first part of my college career and I took a job for the admissions office and they did um they had like a campus blog and so I took a job for them doing little videos for the campus blog. And it didn't last very long. Um, it, it wasn't very organized. So, like, I didn't do it for very long. But that was my first, like, official job doing video stuff. And so that was kind of cool. And I learned a little bit more. And at that time, I actually had gotten a DSLR. I had, like, a Canon T1i, I think. And, um, yeah, I, I think I was probably editing... I don't know if I was editing on Final Cut yet. I was probably, well, maybe I was on Final Cut at that point. I think I did get Final Cut. Um, So I was learning more. I was definitely, like, getting a little bit more, like, advanced. I was still very much, like, beginner. I didn't know how to shoot in manual or anything like that. But um, I went on and went through college. And I really, I did have, like, this crisis at one point where I really wanted to go to film school. And I wanted to, like, leave Mississippi College and go I had a friend from YouTube that I saw her get into um, Tisch School of the Arts or whatever. It's part of NYU, I'm pretty sure. But she got into their film school. And I was like, oh, like, why didn't I do that? I should be doing that. And anyways, it's way too expensive. And that didn't end up working out. But it's fine because you can learn everything yourself because that's what I've done so far so that's what we've both done so anyways I finished college and I went on 
to actually, I'm, I'm skipping, I'm skipping a part. So how did I get into wedding videography? Sorry, this is really long. I didn't like intend to go into my entire life story, but yeah, it's, I guess I mean, it's okay. I guess yeah. this is what podcasts are for. You sure. can just talk forever. Yeah. Um, yeah, sorry if that was rambly. So I, I, I was 19. Was I? Yeah. I was 19. Okay. So 19, it was my sophomore year of college. I had a girl that actually went to my high school and, um, I didn't know her cause she was a, quite a few years older than me. Um, but I like knew of her and, um, she had found out that I knew a little bit about cameras and, um, knew a little bit just about videography. And so she reached out to me and she was a wedding videographer. And, at this time, I mean, that was 2015. I feel like wedding videography was still pretty new. Um, so, like, having, like, a cinematic wedding film just wasn't a big thing yet. And so she was one of, like, the only ones around here that was doing it, I think, as, like, her full-time job. So she reached out to me and asked me if I could second shoot a wedding with her. And so... I was like, oh my gosh, this is such a cool opportunity. Like, I would love to get into that because I had seen a few wedding videos on YouTube and I was like, oh, this is really cool that people do this. And so I went and I second shot with her and I actually second shot like two or three weddings with her um, after that. And I just remember thinking like, this is pretty like not easy. I mean, it's a kind of a stressful thing, but I just thought, I think I could do this on my own. So I'm going to try so I, I still had a Canon T1i at the time, not like a very entry-level DSLR. I bought a monopod and I bought a Zoom H1 recording device, which we still have to this day, and it's literally yeah. falling apart. But it, it you know, it, it did the job, the job yeah. for a long time. Gets it done. Um, but I bought one of those and a little lav mic for it. And um, I... Did a, a little bit of research, not very much. Um, I don't think I still didn't know how to shoot in manual at the time. Um, but I made a Facebook business page and I made a business name. It was really creative. <laughs> it was called Forever Moments Videography. There it is. It was very wedding esque, and um, I thought it was perfect. I made a logo on Photoshop and. It just screamed weddings and just now I like cringe at it. Like Yeah, but for an entry level yeah, like yeah. logo and for sure. For good. sure. Um so I made that Facebook business page and then I, I knew that there was a girl that I graduated high school with that was getting married that May. And I was like thinking I actually reached out to like another I think I reached out to a couple of people before I reached out to her and they like neither said no or they already had had someone or whatever. Um, but I reached out to her and I was like, Hey, I'm trying to get into doing wedding videography on my own. I've second shot a few weddings and, um, I just wondered if I could possibly shoot your wedding. You know, I don't have to charge anything. You could pay me like whatever you want. And she had already hired a videographer, but she like checked with them to make sure it was okay. And now I'm like, I probably, annoyed them a lot being there and I feel bad but you know it's okay it worked out <laughs> but um I I went to her wedding she paid me $150 and I shot the wedding and I just did my very very best and I remember I came home 
that night and I stayed up all night editing. I was so excited to create something. And I gave the film to her the next day and I posted it on Facebook and she loved it. Her family loved it. And so many people from like high school saw it and it, it got like a lot more uh, views that I like expected it to. It got so many shares on Facebook and everything. And, um, and then everything just kind of went from there. And I feel like it wasn't, I feel like I have, I kind of flew by the, what's the phrase? Fly by the seat of your pants. Yeah. I feel like that's what I was doing the whole time up until a couple years ago. Yeah. But, um, so the, the way that Rob got in on this, we start, well, I'm, oh, I'm going to stop you right there because that's your, that's your side of the story. Okay, You're yeah. growing up. And yeah. That's what you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, my story is a lot shorter than yours. Right. <laughs> so I got that digital camera. That was about as far as that went. Um, I looked into getting a Nike. Listen to this. I still remember. I think I was 13 or 14. And for Christmas, I wanted a Nikon D3000. I don't even know what that is. I know nothing about Nikon cameras. I didn't either, but it just sounded cool. And I guess, you know, it it was what it is. And uh, I wanted to get into it. I wanted to get into like photography and all that. Um, I remember, I think my dad ended up getting me the camera for Christmas Mm. and I turned around and like right before Christmas, I was like, actually, I don't want that. And so I'm pretty sure he had to like return it. And then, you know, yeah, I got whatever. We, what would have happened? We would have been competition or something. We wouldn't even like each other. Yeah. That's that could, that could be a completely different. I'm not competitive. No, you're not. But anyway, um, I wanted that Nikon D3000, didn't end up going for it. Um, but my friends and I, when the first like iPhones came out, we started recording and making just these stupid videos when we were in high school. Uh, they had a plot line. Um, they were called The Hand, and it was this <laughs> ghost that was... Uh, we made like four of these videos. It was a ghost who ended up... Um, like attacking all of our friends in different various ways. Really dumb. You could probably find it on YouTube if you tried hard enough. I think we got locked out of the account somehow. But um, that's as far as my videography experience went. And when I met Adeline in 2015, just a few months after she shot that. uh, No, it was the same. I think we met the same month that I had shot that. Okay. And, And then we started dating a few months after that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that then that's how that went. Um, but I don't even think I'd even talked about how I had like filmed weddings until no, like it wasn't definitely not. Um, I didn't know that. And so once we started like dating, um, you had a wedding that was that was planned for November of 2015, and I thought that was just a Saturday. She was gonna just go to work because that's what she did. And then she was like, hey, you should come with me and shoot with me or just go with me. And I didn't really know what she expected of me, but she handed me, I think it was a Sony. What was that camera? Mm. Yeah, it was, I guess it was the Sony A6000. Yeah. Yep. I remember. Um, 
not obviously not exactly what it was, but I remember the Sony and you handed it to me, you gave me a crash course. And then you were like, all right, go hang out with the dudes. I'm going to go to the bride suite. And that's how that happened. Yeah. And also, you know what you didn't mention? That day was actually super stressful because I had lost my monopod. Do you remember that? And we had to go to Target. Like we went oh, to Target right. and uh, and Best Buy too, I think, like on the way up to the wedding because we were like, oh my gosh, we don't have monopods. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't have one for him and I had lost mine. I don't know how I lost it, but we ended, we ended up finding it later. It was in your car. Like Check under the floor yeah. mat. Under, no, not under the floor mat, but like where you in put the, the back spare tire, where you put right? the spare tire. Why was it there? I have no, I do not remember putting it there, but I think it was like not, a year later. It, I think it was, I, it was multiple months. years. Yeah. Honestly, I think it was like two years before we found the monopod. <laughs> but anyways, anyway. on the way there, we, you can't buy like the, at least not around here. You can't buy the Manfrotto or I don't know how you say that brand name, but I'm pretty sure the Manfrotto, it is Manfrotto, that way. whatever. You can't buy those monopods in stores. You have to order them. Um, and so the only thing we could find was these little like stick ones that like they didn't have they were literally sticks that you like plastic s- screw the camera on top of there is no like panning no. fluid anything like <laughs> it was just a stick so we both got one of those and we were just like we're just gonna do this and also those cameras there is no internal stabilization you know they were just you know really shaky but we made do and we did our best we did. And I mean, we got paid $400 for that wedding. So that was our second wedding. And um, yeah. And then and then we just went from there. I think this is probably a good time for us to cut for a little break and make sure that everything's working properly. So we will. Yes. When we return, we're going to talk about um, kind of the first couple of years of the business. And then um, we're going to talk about some things that we wish we had known when we started our videography yes. business. Yes. Some lessons that we've learned along the way. All right. Anyway, I guess it's time for the break. Let's go. All right. We are back from break. We're back. (laughs) I had to lose my sweater because I was burning up. Yeah, it's kind of hot up here. It is. There's not a lot of airflow up in our little loft. Um, Okay. So we were talking about like, so that was kind of the whole beginning of... Mm -hmm the journey and this whole journey, you know, so it started May, 2015. And now here we are, this is December, 2021. So it has been, um, over six years. Technically we're on our seventh year. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's been a long time. And I, the thing about our journey, everyone's I think everyone's journey in building a wedding videography business looks different because everyone starts at different stages in their lives so um we were still in school and um we had no really no decent experience to build off of so we were very much starting kind of from scratch and um just being so young we didn't really know anything we definitely did not know anything about the business side of things, you know, like, like I was saying before, I was, I was flying by the seat of my pants. We were both flying by the seat of our pants. We were winging it. We were winging it for a long time. Yeah. Um, 
And so I wanted to kind of go through the, the years and what it looked like in terms of the number of weddings that we did, which the quantity doesn't necessarily matter, but just to give you an idea, because, um, you know, just to show our growth and, and to show that it's not always linear, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, so the first year, 2015, we did two weddings and then the second year we did nine. So that was a, that was a pretty big jump. Um, and at like, so during that time and really the first few years, all of our business came from mouth to mouth, mouth to mouth, mouth to mouth. What's the, what's the word? Um, like uh, word of re- mouth, word of mouth, like referrals. Um, and maybe some from people finding us through Facebook, but that's still kind of word of mouth. Cause it's like, they're seeing their friend got like yeah. used us and then, you know, so on. And so yeah, second year, nine weddings. And then third year we did 11. So that was a very like small increase. And that was also the year. Well, we had just graduated college, and so we both were going into full-time jobs, um, Mm -hmm. and we got engaged, Mm -hmm. so there was a lot going on. I feel like like every single year, I felt like there's so much going on in our personal lives that, like, the weddings for us back then, it was like, what... We just have to get this done this weekend. Yeah, looking back on it now, it was it was something that it was almost a hobby in a way, I guess you could say. Um, we enjoyed doing it a lot, but we never were like, this is what we're doing to be wedding videographers. Like it wasn't the, the main priority in our lives because mm-hmm. like you said, there's always been something really major that kind of, uh, yeah, there, we were so much, we were just growing in our personal lives and like going through all these milestones and like mm-hmm. life stages that yeah. like this business was just this side thing that we didn't really invest a lot of ourselves into. And mm-hmm. honestly, I don't think that I, I don't think that we valued ourselves enough. And I also sure. don't think we realized the potential. Yeah, that's for um, sure. Cause it was still like, I feel like wedding videography is still, it's still kind of new. I mean, it's definitely more, way more established, but it was still kind of this thing that was like coming to, coming to be a, um, like just as important as wedding photography. You know what I'm saying? So, um, anyway, so then our fourth year we did 12 weddings. So we went up one. But this, I, I think that the fourth year was sort of the year that I was like, I, I, I remember we made friends with um, a couple, they, I can't talk, photographers. Yes. <laughs> they were photographers that we shot with fairly often. They were a young couple and they were doing it full time. And I remember we used to have conversations with them at weddings um, just about, how they were doing this full time together. And, you know, it just seemed like, man, that would be like really cool for us to get to do this together. It was a dream for sure. Yeah. And I think that was 2018. I feel like was the year that I started to think about it. Like it could actually be something we could do. And to press pause for just a second in 2018, I'd just become a teacher. So I was teaching eighth grade 
middle school, yeah. uh, which was kind of my focus, right? Because you, as a teacher here, yeah, uh, you got to invest in that. Yeah. We um, also got married in 2018. And right. I think that that's probably another reason why my mind started to shift to this, like we could do this together because you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it could be something that, you know, cause we were actually, we were, fi- we were a family now. Like yeah. we were, you know, united as one. So I feel like that also shifted my perspective. Um, but still, you know, we, we were working full time. It just didn't seem super like possible, but maybe it could be in the future. Yeah. She was the director of videography at, church. Mm -hmm. And so that's what she was doing full time. I was full time as a teacher. And, um, during these, these years, um, it was for me, at least it was something that kind of took up my time on the weekend. Um, there were times I know that I, I, I complained maybe to Adeline about it during the week, just because it was something, something else that I had to stress about. Um, I enjoyed doing it when I got there, when I would get there, it was like nothing else mattered. I was invested in the day. Mm -hmm. I had fun doing it. I enjoyed interacting with the couple, but it was like this weird anxiety that would build up during the week. And so, yeah, like we're saying, we didn't necessarily, um, really make this something that we thought we could do, uh, full time and be our main focus for a long time. Yeah, definitely. And I felt that anxiety too. I mean, it's hard to work full time and do this. And you almost have to, you have to choose one to really put your heart into. And it was really hard on my side of things, doing, creating video content for my full time job and then having to edit wedding videos. I just remember I felt like all of my creativity was just drained and then I would get I would sit down to do a wedding video and I'd just be like I just don't even I just want to get this done like it wasn't something that I could enjoy doing because even though I wanted to like I really wanted to spend the time on it and do it really well I just didn't have the energy to do it yeah um and so 2019 we did 16 weddings and that is the year that we rebranded so 16 weddings that was um i think that i was always wanting to hit the goal of 20 weddings and so 16 was really close and i felt like you know we were really i feel like that was the year when we we started to find our style yeah sort of yeah um i think we're still settling into our style but i think that was the first year that i felt like we're starting to reach our ideal clients ish. And I felt pretty proud of our progress that year. Um, and it, it was the time that I felt like, okay, maybe I could make a transition into being full time with the business. Like one of us could transition. Mm -hmm. And so I, but I didn't know how to do it cold Turkey. I didn't think that I could just quit my job and start doing this full time. And so I went part-time at my job at our church and, um, so I was, I was doing basically two days a week at my job at church. And then the other days I was working on the business. And so part of that 
it was it was exciting for me. The rebrand was really exciting. I felt yeah. like I felt like we finally found a a name and kind of a just a brand that matched who we wanted to be and like mm-hmm. where we wanted to get to. Yeah. Felt like it's some it was something that was more timeless that kind of just fit us better. Yeah. And so I was really excited about the rebrand and but when I was doing this like doing the part-time and then trying to make this transition into full-time, I don't feel like I had the same amount of drive that I do now to, to be honest. And I think, I think it was because I was still split. Yeah. And during that time, like you went part-time, which meant you went to the office part-time, but really the responsibility stayed the same for you. Yeah, I was still doing a lot and, um, it was just still, I I was still using so much creative energy in this job and I just wasn't, I wasn't able to put very much into the wedding business still. Um, and then 2020 happened and COVID hit. And I think that we had a lot more booked I don't sure. remember how many we had booked in mm-hmm. 2020, but um, many of them canceled or rescheduled for mm-hmm. the next year. And so we actually only ended up doing six weddings in 2020. And However, one of those was our first destination wedding. Yes, we did our first destination wedding really in cool. 2020, and that was such a huge like goal of ours. So that was super exciting and really fun. And Oh, yeah. I think that really opened up like, okay, this is, we would really like to get into this, you know, um, just having that first like taste of being able to travel and do what we love. So, um, so yeah, 2020 happened and I had to go back full time with my job at the church because financially we just couldn't make it work. And, um, I remember that feeling pretty like sucky. <laughs> yeah. To put it bluntly, yeah. Yeah. Um, I just yeah, it felt it kind of felt like a failure. Like I felt a little bit like a failure, even though it like the circumstances weren't anything that I could have controlled or changed. Um and also because it was such an unknown time, I didn't really know how to deal with the people who were canceling or rescheduling. Mm -hmm. Um, So I pretty much refunded everyone. Mm -hmm. And that was like, you know, that drained our bank account. Um, So that that was hard. I know that was a hard year for everyone. Um, But the timing of that for me specifically when I was trying to transition and then it was like, nope, there's going to be a pandemic. So not going to (laughs) happen. So yeah, I went back full time. And, uh, and then 2021 happened in 2021 for us and probably every wedding vendor in the world has been like an insane explosion because of how many people rescheduled and then just the new engagements and, you know, new schedules happened. And, Mm -hmm. um, so we hit our goal and we got 21 weddings this year. Um, so 20 weddings had been like the goal that I wanted to reach that I felt like this, like I could definitely do this full time if Mm -hmm. we have 20. And so we got 21 this year and, um, this, you know, our seventh year and 
honestly, I feel like our journey has been very spread out and it hasn't been quite linear, but, um, in August of this year, I, what really pushed me was I knew in, I knew October was coming. Mm, October. Yes. (laughs) In October. Well, it was like the very end of September through the beginning of November. We had six weeks where we had eight weddings in a row. Um, so we had like some double weekends and, I was like, I know that if I continue to work full time and we hit this month and this Mm -hmm. stretch, I will not survive. (laughs) I just knew (laughs) I wasn't going to survive. Yeah. I was already anxious all the time and feeling just super overloaded. Like that. What's the, the voice line that I keep showing you on reels. It's like, your your mind is an internet browser and you have all these tabs open that that was me like all the time and so I felt like I was gonna have a panic attack one day at work and so I went to my boss and I was like I can't do this and this is a really hard decision but I have to try so I'm just gonna I'm gonna quit and I'm gonna go for it and so we kind of did a sort of a gradual transition but anyways August hit And I officially was done with my job at the church and was full time with the business. And it, I, I don't even really know. I think all I needed was that mental shift of, okay, your entire brain can go to the business now that when that mental shift happened, I feel like I got so much energy and like have been able to grow so much and put so much more into our films and it just changed everything for me just the last few months it has changed everything and um it's just been it's been awesome um and now so you want to talk about like kind of your journey just over the last few months yeah so um back in august she went full-time obviously she just said that and (laughs) I had started a new year of teaching. Um, and this year I was saying, you know, it was going to be better than 2020. Anything can be better than 2020. Um, but throughout all these years of teaching, I just didn't necessarily feel like it was my calling, even though I felt like I was doing great work where I was, but, um, it just didn't really settle right with me. And I, I, there were nights when I talk to Adeline about like, is this what I want to be doing, you know, as a career and things like that. Um, and September, like, I think it was September 16th. And I just, I was just like, I can't do this anymore. It was basically a month in a month and a half into teaching, uh, for the 2021 year. And I was just like, I can't do this anymore. Um, it just, wasn't a good fit. The kids and I didn't really vibe very well. And I just, you just weren't passionate about it. Yeah. I just wasn't passionate about it anymore. And, um, so I kind of reached out to some people and, and sought some counsel about it before I made any decisions. Um, obviously talked with Adeline about it a lot. And, uh, we decided that I was going to quit teaching and I was going to, um, work with, someone from our church who, who, uh, approached me about a job as a contractor. And so I, um, obviously an answered prayer for me to be able to get out of teaching, which 
we kind of felt like we were locked into because of the benefits that mm-hmm. you received from, yeah. from teaching. Um, and that kind of felt like I was locked in because of that. But once we took that step out and I was an independent contractor, um, and we made that kind of shift in our, our family, um, it made it a lot easier for, for us to kind of feel like that maybe eventually, uh, down the road, um, we could both be full-time doing this. Mm -hmm. And so I worked, um, a couple of months doing the contracting, which I really enjoyed so much more than teaching. I was out and about, I was using my hands. I really enjoyed that. Um, obviously during October I was doing, uh, all the weddings on the weekends. I think it was, there was a, so one of the weddings out of October, I made Adlin get a second shooter because if I hadn't have had her do that, I would have worked probably, I can't remember the exact, it was like 21 days in a, in a row I would have worked. Uh, no time with, off. with no break. I mean, obviously like nighttime, yeah. but like working during the day, uh, having no days that are just like, Hey, you can just chill today. So yeah. it was a Sunday wedding and I asked you to get a, a second shooter and, and that worked out just fine. Um, but did that. And, um, in December where we're at now, uh, we have been talking about, me going full time uh, with Cinegarden. And so I have talked with my boss and made some adjustments to my schedule. And now uh, we're kind of easing in, transitioning into me being full time, which I honestly, even up till now, it's kind of hard for me to comprehend that and like wrap my head around it because kind of what you were saying, like you have to realize that you can now put everything that you've wanted to into, uh, our business. Mm -hmm. And I, for all these years that we've just been explaining, like I haven't really been able to, to do that. Yeah. And so now just being able like these past what week, basically, I mean, this is, is pretty fresh. It's really fresh. (laughs) Me going, uh, basically full time right now. Yeah. I guess we could say that. And it's just, it's really awesome. I, I'm still just, like I said, wrapping my head around it and, and gearing up for what the potential that we have. We have so much, there's so much to look forward to yeah. and there's so, so many ways we can grow mm-hmm. and uh, just kind of get my head around that and like putting myself in a position of you're not just the second shooter now. You're not just the, you know, doing these tasks that, that Adeline asks you to do from time to time, you know. <laughs> now I can actually invest in it. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's, it's funny how you don't realize how much potential you have and you don't realize really what your value is until you are able to put all of your focus on it. And you're like, Whoa, I could have been doing all this for so long. Like there's so many things that I can do and, um, so many things I can create and it, and it's more than just, the wedding films themselves that we're able to invest in. I think it's the relationships with our couples. Yeah. I think it's relationships with other vendors. Mm -hmm. I think it's relationships with other creators, like within our 
field and building those relationships and learning from others, investing in education. Like that's something that mm-hmm. we never did. And, yeah. and we've been doing this a, like a pretty long time now. Yeah. And education think- has not been something that was a priority yeah. Um, and we'll kind of get into that uh, a yeah. little bit in just a second. But yeah. one of the things we were talking about, I think we were uh, driving yesterday and we were kind of talking about how it looks different for everybody uh, when you're getting into a creative field. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you're just getting out of college or you're still in college or you do have a full time gig and you're trying to yeah. be full time with your business. It's everybody's kind of in this uh different stage of life when when you start this so it looks different for everybody transition looks different the growth looks different right but um just being able to like if you're passionate about it knowing that i mean it took us six years to get to the point where we want to be yeah um and that kind of gets that gets hard as well because uh we'll talk about it more in just a second but like comparisons like you say Oh, we've been doing this for six years and they've been doing it for two. Yeah. And, and um, but they've had two years of fully investing all of their time into this because they went full time right. year one. Yeah. And we, and that, yeah, we'll talk about yeah. that with the lessons for sure. Okay. Um, I'm getting ahead of myself. Sorry. <laughs> so that's a good segue into the last part of this podcast, which is just things that lessons that we've learned slash things that we wish that we had known from the beginning so that maybe we could have prioritized things differently in the journey. But that being said, we, I don't think I would change the journey for anything because I think we both had so much to learn before we were able to even think about doing this full time. Right. And those jobs that we had completely like rewired us. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, just we grew in so many different aspects from where we were um, until now. And I think that think was about definitely, how it shifted our marriage and made us grow in our marriage. Like, because we, we've only, we haven't, I can't even really say that we've really started working full time together, but we're sort of shifting into that now. And I'm thinking that probably would have been much harder to do early on in our marriage yeah. because sure. you're spending all this time together. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't even fully understand how each other works yet. So yeah. it's just a stressor, I feel like, on the marriage. Um, sure. So anyways. Let's get uh, into those those lessons. Yes, here. let's get into lessons. I'm wondering if we need to take another small break. Yeah, let's just do a quick break, a little cut, um, yeah. just to make sure the camera's doing what yeah. it needs to do. We'll be right back. All right. Okay, we're back, and it's time for the lessons. Yeah. So this, um, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Uh, I will talk about the first lesson. So, uh, we kind of came up with five. Addie wanted to do 10. That kind of seemed like too many. So I was like, let's just focus on five. We can have more podcasts to talk about more things. This won't Uh, be the only one. Yeah. Just the one singular podcast. But, um, so the first lesson that I wish that, or we wish we had known is to be adaptable, all right? So I think that was one of the things that I got really nervous about every weekend was, who are these people? (laughs) Okay. Um, And a lot of the time, I was not a large part of the communication, so that was one of the things. Like, And it wasn't 
communication was not a priority in the first few years. Right, for us. So being adaptable, um, what I mean by that is when you are uh, going into a weekend where you're filming um, or or doing photography, whatever your, your uh, creative passion is, whatever you're doing, um, being able to kind of mold yourself into who the couple wants you to be, I think. Kinda. Yeah. Yeah. You, and I think that there's a, am I saying a, that right? Yeah. I mean, in a way I think, and I think there's another side to the coin too, of as time goes on, when you've like figured out your style and your brand, your clients, your ideal client will fit you better yeah, anyway. Sure. Sure. But yes, like I think that you, um, the priority has to be how, like, how can you serve your client the very best that you can right? from start to finish? And sometimes that means that you may not be, like, comfortable with these people. Like, one, you don't know them, but two, they may not be your type of people. Like, you know what I'm saying? So it, you do have to find um, ways to relate to your yes. couples and relate to their friends and their families and, and yeah. just... That's, that's kind of where, yeah, that's where I was going with that. Like, I mean, you, you're not, I'm not saying to be two faced or anything like that, but I'm, I am saying like, you're spending this day with this couple and there have been many weddings that I've shot where I'm just like the quiet, weird dude (laughs) in the corner. And I I don't, I don't, I never really liked that. I just felt super anxious the whole time. And like, yeah, you go in. And you kind of like can be adaptable and walk into the... And walk and carry yourself with confidence. Yeah. And like, I think the first few years we were both like, we're just going to be flies on the wall. Like, we're not going to talk to anybody. We're just going to get the shots we need and let them do their thing. And and yeah, you want want to let them like have their day. day. Like, you don't want to like act like you're one of the bridesmaids or groomsmen, but like, um... You don't want to just not exist either, right. yes. Because I don't think that that gives your clients very much confidence in you. Like right. if they don't, if you don't even talk, you know, when you walk into their room, yeah. So definitely, you have to to be adaptable, and, yeah, and carry yourself with confidence and and act like you belong there because you do. You're paid to be there, so yeah, yeah. And um, one of the notes is learn to, I guess we kind of mentioned that, but like yeah, learn converse to with converse different with different types of people, types of people and yeah. um, just getting comfortable with a bunch of different types of people and be prepared to do that. Yeah. Uh, like yourself, you know? Yeah. You should prep yourself not to be the fly on the wall and the weirdo in the corner, <laughs> but you should prep yourself to be uh, ready to jump into any situation. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? I had something that I wanted to add to it, but I lost it. So we'll just move to the next lesson. Um, so the next lesson is communication is key. And I think this kind of goes hand in hand with the be adaptable thing, because one thing that's going to help you so much, um, walking into that room for the first time. And if you haven't already met your clients, but you should meet your clients before you ever walk in. And I'm not saying that we've met every client before. Um, That's something that we ourselves are really trying to work on is our communication. Mm -hmm. Um, 
But what's going to help you to be more comfortable is for you to build that relationship prior to wedding day and um, continue to nurture that relationship after wedding day too. Um, Yeah. So what did I put here? Oh, building relationships with vendors too. So that's another thing that I feel like we didn't really do a lot of. Like we didn't Mm -hmm. really, I mean, we talk with the photographer because you're working with them like side by side all day. Um, but we never really went out of our way to communicate with vendors. And, um, that's one of the best things you can do for your business is to build relationships with other vendors because it, you learn who you work well with and it, it benefits everybody. Like, you know, we can all recommend each other and, you know, we meet one client and think, you know what, I feel like this photographer would be a really great fit for you just based on your style and what you're saying your wedding's going to be like and all that. So it's like mutually beneficial. And, um, I think it just makes it more fun to become friends with vendors because then you find out that you're working with them one day and you're like, yes, like I love working with them, you know? So, um, But yeah, another thing, so in addition to meeting with your clients beforehand, um, find lots of ways to get to know more about them. Hop on a call with them. We send a questionnaire prior to the wedding day to just find out everything we need to know about the wedding and what they're looking forward to and um, what's important to them and all of that. Um, that's huge. And then after wedding day, um, I'm not saying that you have to like text them constantly or send them emails or whatever and keep them updated. Um, but I think it is nice if, if you are maybe running behind because it's been a busy season, especially, I think that's worth mentioning for 2022 because, there's these, you know, statistics that there's going to be like the most weddings that there've been since 1984. So it's going to be very busy for everybody. But, um, I think it's very courteous and nice to like keep your couples updated. I know a lot of people post like editing cues on social media and just letting their couples know like, Hey, I haven't forgotten about you, you know? Um, and just communicating them communicating with them when you deliver the film too. Um, you don't just like send it to them and then they say, you know, it's great. And then you, you don't reply. Like yeah. just try to be, um, just try to communicate more and, and nurture that relationship. Okay. So next point, next point, you got this one to be prepared. Mm. All right. Um, so being prepared, what do I mean by that? Uh, make sure that you have everything that you need uh, ready the day prior. Or two days prior. Or two days Even prior. Even better. So here, here's just a situation um, that happened this weekend, actually. Uh, I... I can't remember what happened this weekend. I wanted to, prior to the wedding, uh, because we didn't have to be there until one... I wanted to oh. wake up and go fill the car up with gas because we were running kind of low. The The light was on. And um, maybe get us some lunch food mm-hmm. so that we could eat prior to traveling yeah. to, to the venue. And what ended up happening was we just got busy. Addie was editing. I was uh, preparing 
my video game uh, playing skills. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, I just kind of got lost in that. And um, it turns out, you know, I thought that I was giving myself enough time. Yeah, we just ended like, up being rushed. And we weren't able to eat. Yeah, we didn't be able to eat. You know, we it just kind of threw off our mindset. I like, wasn't able to fill the car up with gas. And all that added, the reason I'm saying all this, is because all that added to my anxiety about yeah. the day. Mm-hmm. But had I just gotten up, gotten breakfast, gone and filled up the car, yeah. gotten the stuff, and was prepared, then the more prepared you are, the the smoother the day is going to go. And I mean, that goes back to the communication too. When you know what to expect on wedding day, you are much more prepared when you walk in. Um, I I was trying to think of another story where we forgot things. Like Um, you need a gear list until you are like. At our point, we've done it enough to where we just are able to. We have a mental list of things, but when we first started. How many times did we leave stuff at home? Oh, very often. Batteries, um, lenses, like... Yeah, and sometimes we just had to make do with what we forgot. So Yeah, because if it was too far away, you you couldn't go back. Like my example I just gave you was everything was fine with the day. We didn't forget anything. It was just, it was a little bit more of time management that we maybe should have focused on and have been prepared with. Um, But definitely have a gear list like Athlon's saying because if you if you don't make that checklist and and you get to the venue and you're supposed to be getting the recordings of their vows and you only have or you don't have your mic or you only have one battery for the day and you Mm -hmm. really can't go back and get that second battery that you left on the charger yeah um that's just really unfortunate stuff that has happened to us yes thankfully we've been able to make do if you're doing this solo that makes it way harder Mm -hmm. because she's had to you know film a couple hours of a day when i'm going back to get equipment yeah um so definitely and that you know some of those things were definitely early on but these are things that we wish we learned as we were growing our business and learned early on so uh definitely be prepared if it's your timeline. Yeah, the uh, timeline, I was going to say, be familiar with your timeline. Um, and that goes back to vendor communication. Communicate with planners and photographers, anyone who has any say with the timeline. Be prepared because you might miss something um, because you're getting, you know, detail shots. Somewhere like else. We, um, one of the first weddings we did, we were out, we were both mm. outside. If you have a second shooter, it's almost, you shouldn't be in the same place at once yeah. for a lot of the day. Right. Um, because you're bound to miss something. Yeah. But we, there was a reception that we were shooting and we both went outside to get detail shots of the outside of the venue and they did the bouquet toss while we were both outside and we yeah. missed it. Mm-hmm. And, um, so that was just one mistake early on that we made. And of course the bouquet toss, it, you know, it, it could have been something, a bigger deal than that. But the point is be familiar with your timeline. So mistakes like that aren't made and you will make mistakes. You know, it's going to happen and you're going to have to learn how to repair them or, you know, make do with those mistakes that you've made. Um, but the more prepared you are, the less likely it is that you'll make a terrible mistake. So, yeah. So yeah. the third one, be prepared. Uh, time management, gear list, timeline, 
know your stuff before you go yes. on wedding day. Number four, comparison is a trap. Um, yeah. I think we touched on this a little bit earlier, but um, it is never, there is a difference in learning from other creatives and then comparing yourself to them and measuring yourself up to them. Um, this, this goes back to how, how many years they've been in business and how successful they've become. This, this goes to like how many followers they have on social media, um, how good, good their films are in comparison to yours, even though your artistic like styles may look completely different. Um, there, there is nothing productive that comes from comparing yourself to someone else and their journey and their art. It Right. Because you don't know what their background looks like. Mm -hmm. They could have been doing this for a very long time before they started their business or they may do uh, five weddings a year and they spend way more time. They have way more time to put into a film and like there's so many variables yeah. and at, at the end of the day, it just doesn't, it's not doing anything for you. You're wasting your time and you're putting yourself down by comparing your situation and your art to their art. And what would be much more productive is for you to schedule a mentorship with them if you want to learn from them. Sure. Don't sit there yeah. and look at their Instagram feed and, and think, I suck. I'm never <laughs> going to like be on their level, you know. I've done that for sure. Do I do that sometimes? And I catch myself and I'm like, what, why am I doing this? Also, it's not a competition either. Yeah. Um, nothing productive comes from you competing with other, um, professionals. Like yeah. we're all on our own journey and there are plenty of weddings to go around and plenty of people with different budgets and different needs for their wedding day. Right. So, and nine times out of 10, if you reach out to that person, they're going to be very polite. And they're going to be, you know, willing to, to give you some pointers or anything. Yeah. And I, I, I do want to mention, um, like I talked about the mentorships. If someone is a really like they're a big creator and, you know, they have a, a big following and they're, you know, I mean, it doesn't really matter. Um, I, I would never reach out to someone just for what you can get from them. Right. I would seek to build a, a relationship or a friendship with someone um, and you know, some people, they need to be paid for their time that mm -hmm. they're going to invest in you and educate you. So mentorships, like that's something that you should look into and be willing to pay for that. Like it's an investment for yeah. your business. And, um, just if someone's going to take the time to teach you, be willing to give to them and, you know, support them. So, yeah. um, last one. Keep growing. Yeah. So I said earlier, growth isn't always linear. Everyone's journey looks different. Um, the main thing is to remain consistent and to invest in yourself. Yeah. Invest in learning. Do not become stagnant. There was definitely a point, And I think I talked about it a little bit earlier, but um, I think, up until 2019, I had reached a point where, like, the edits, I was just like, they, they all kind of looked the same probably, and I was just trying to get them done. Mm. Um, you 
always need to be investing in yourself in education and watching YouTube videos. Like you need to be, um, I want to say ingesting, but that doesn't Mm. feel right. (laughs) Um, you need to be consuming inspirational, creative content that like can help you feed into your own creativity and, and grow creatively. Um, and that's a whole, like, I feel like we could talk yeah. just about that in a, in a separate podcast, but sure. do not become stagnant because you'll grow to hate what you do. If mm. you're always growing, like you're probably going to enjoy what you're doing a lot more. For sure. So, yeah. yeah. And those are kind of the, uh, just five of the lessons that we, yeah, those are very broad. They are broad. Um, but if you take that advice and kind of, you know, um, use them to help you with that. I mean, that's what we're trying to do with this podcast is just um, not only uh, help those who are watching, um, but kind of speak in, into them and, yeah. and uh, help you guys a bit. Um, For sure. And I mean, we um, I don't want to be self-deprecating, but we're not experts, but we've right. been doing it a little while. And. I think that we, um, whatever we can offer to someone who is, you know, a beginner or trying to get into this or is interested, um, you know, whatever we can offer, we want to offer that and we never want to like withhold things from people, Mm -hmm. um, because we love, we love this so much that I, I would rather like give it to someone else and so that they can learn to love it too. Does yeah. that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, another thing is like, if you're watching this and you have advice for us, I mean, yeah. we're always, like we're saying, we're always trying to learn. Yeah. We're always trying to grow. And if you have something to speak into this, we'd love to hear from you. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't hesitate to do that. And uh, if you have any questions about this, you can uh, reach out to us as well. Mm-hmm. Um, comment and we'll try to get back with you and yeah we're excited to start doing this podcast and yeah i guess it's called senate garden podcast that's what we that's what we've kind of like decided on but i don't know oh she's not confident i don't know i mean i guess that's what it's called (laughs) okay anyway thank you for tuning in and sitting with us Mm -hmm. um and chatting with us yeah um all of our links for like socials and our website and everything will be in the description and we have not even discussed a schedule or anything for this so daily weekly i don't (laughs) not daily no um i would i would say this is something we we could do once a week so sure just be looking out for it we'll set a day sure and we'll put it on the screen right now every that day at that time (laughs) you'll be able to find this podcast you can tune in and um yeah we'll see you guys next time all right thanks bye